0: Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that gives you an up-close and personal look at
1: the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to No Password Required, a podcast dedicated to exploring the minds and personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Ernie Fararesso, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Jack Clabby. Uh, this week, uh, Pablo Torres is taking care of some uh, personal business and right now, and uh, he'll be back with the show really soon. So Pablo, uh, we miss you, and we look forward to having you back on the show. On the podcast today, we'll talk with Asim Faridading, the Vice President for IT Security and Regulatory Controls Assurance at the RELEX Group. Asim is the guy who is never afraid to take a chance. From stand-up comedy to teaching master's-level students at Georgia State University, he's done it all, including one of his greatest accomplishments, high-fiving Buster Rhymes at the 2006 BET Awards. And speaking of a guy that always deserves a high-five, hello to my co-host, Jack Clavy.
0: Hey, Ernie. Ernie, the high-five is something that I've missed along with uh, going to restaurants and going to movie theaters. But I have developed this sort of unnatural, maybe it is natural, this love of fist bumping. Now that I was in, just this morning, I was in a business meeting and just giving out fist bumps, it just feels, it's somewhat cooler than the the old handshake. As much as a, a fan of handshaking I was, fist bump's kind of where it's at now. You know, and it's interesting.
1: It's almost like the fist bump came around at the right time too. Yeah. You know, it really it it, it, it wasn't a thing when, when you know, when you and I were kids, you didn't bump, nobody did that. It's it's, a, it's, it's it's kind of a recent thing and then all of a sudden it came around at the right time and here it
0: is, boom, it saves the day. That's right uh,
1: during a pandemic. what
0: I, I I tried early on to replace the handshake with uh, with like a Roman forearm glass yeah. kind of grasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because technically then you're not pressing flesh, you're grabbing onto someone's shirt. Uh, but that didn't take off the way that it didn't take want, off. the way that I wanted it to, uh, and so unfortunately here we are. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we try not to get too political here at the show, but there's one thing I did want to talk about. It's, there's been a lot of talk about job retraining um, and and what's happening in the in the workforce now with a tightened mm-hmm. labor market. But I I have to think that for our listeners in particular, you know, there are some good resources to figure out what's happening in. In, in, in our industry, in the cybersecurity industry, but it has always been a demand field. Yeah. But I I don't think it's ever been more in demand now. So if you if you have or you can get training in cybersecurity, you will get a job, and the job payments are. I mean, the salaries are pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Well, that's
1: that's always something that's uh, that I, that I, you know I keep highlighting. It's it's one of those um, I call it a durable job too you're always going to have a job it's yeah. not like you, it's, you're not tied to the or not as tied to quote market forces there's always yeah. going to be especially nowadays or for how about this for the foreseeable future yeah. it's going to, you're going to have a a, a a job for it and then you know, like you said, there are so many different uh resources out there, including a lot of them are, are are free uh for you know for different different you know veterans uh, you know, uh some of the other uh, other folks out there uh, a lot of them i mean you know uh well, like Cyber Florida does one. I don't want to make a, a, a plug for that, but you can check out the website uh, to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, current numbers, I want to say for the, right, in Florida alone, it's something like 25,000 jobs are, are, are vacant. So we were going um, to the,
0: the heat map on, uh, on CyberSeek.org, which is, a, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's affiliated with in, in a, a couple of different organizations, including one that spins off from NIST. But it, it's pretty good data, And it breaks it down by which states have the most job openings, and then you can drill down further into where into where those openings are. But the career the career pathway piece shows which level entry level jobs it breaks it down, then mid level and advanced level. And the biggest demand right now is for these advanced level cybersecurity engineer jobs, and the average salary is one hundred and six thousand dollars. Yeah. So these are these are very serious jobs, and it shows a little bit about the pathway you can get there, you know. But you, it really starts with cybersecurity specialty roles or uh, incident uh, analysts, and it's it, and it's something that we we see all the time when uh, when when we uh, and a, myself as an attorney when I'm working on a breach response incident and I'm talking to you know whoever it might be it's a CISO it's an in-house counsel and we talk about well, where are you against where you should be in terms of your staffing? And no one ever says we're fully staffed. I've never heard it. I've never heard it. You know, that's uh, something that, that's interesting
1: that's always been on my mind. Um, you know, we hear about the, the critical nature of the vacancies and such. Um, but then there, there seems to be a, uh, a disconnect with the, the ability or the, the, the uh, I don't want to say it, uh, trying to hire the person meaning that the, the positions will go vacant for for for, for months and sometimes yeah. e- even longer because they're because they're they're looking for uh, for lack of a term like a, a, looking for unicorns yeah. um, so I, I just I wonder about uh, and, and you know the ability of companies or what's you know uh, uh, what's the you know are they really are they really that averse to take to to growing some in-house talent or building a, a different pathway uh, to get there? And that's yeah. I, that's always something I've wondered about.
0: I mean, you can train you can train an in-process worker to do this work. It's it, but it's probably better done through a certificate program or through yeah. through some kind of adjunct work through a college or university. I mean, the way we're going to solve it, there's two people we're thinking about here. We're thinking about the the sort of technology worker who's thinking about getting into cybersecurity. And then we're thinking holistically about how you solve the the job market issue. And the latter problem, you know, which is close, I know, to Cyber Florida's heart, is this idea of starting it early in high school into college where Mm -hmm. you you can offer college majors in cybersecurity or taking some folks who might be on an auditing path and push them into a cyber assurance path, Uh, you know, and then also – or taking workers who are in a public sector role and are um, considering retirement – and getting them around through private se- – you know, have them do another yeah. 10 years in the private sector. Th- those are some ways to do it. Uh, I-, I think that there is a space for, okay, if, if I'm a, a major company and I know I have these openings in my networking group because that's my best feeder to get into the cybersecurity specialist roles or the intrusion analyst roles, you know – what can I – I don't have the bandwidth. The staff that would have to train those people are the ones who are already overtaxed, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to put that burden on them. Where can I send these networking employees so they can get the training so they can be promoted? Um, yeah. that, that's the, 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 the problem. I don't, I don't know the, the answer to it. Yeah, because uh, that, that's one of the things I think
1: is always interesting, um, and this, uh, this information is dated, but I can remember I went to a, a conference on cyber, cyber workforce – uh, and they had the uh, – one of the panelists was a private sector person. And his definition of entry-level cyber job is – means up to five years of experience in the technology field. Uh, but if you talk about it – if you but there's a disconnect because when some pe- – when other people say entry-level, they mean yeah. zero to four just getting started – uh, but in this case, he was saying, for cyber, I need you to. Before I'm going to put you on my security team, you need to have at least five. It's entry level into cybersecurity. Right. So you do
0: five years of IT support, yeah, and then at that point, you, or database work, and then at that point, yeah. you can come on and do. It. And that's why I think the starting salaries. You, if you look some places, it's like X number, and if you look somewhere else, it's four X, simply because it depends yeah. where you start that, right? Because if you're starting as a intrusion analyst, the starting salary might be like just under a hundred grand, but that's because that person has already worked in IT support, has multiple yeah. certificates. And so that that's, that's there is a little bit of definition needed. But I I mean I think the 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 further back in the education we can push that training, the better off everyone's gonna be because then it doesn't need to be a 30 year old getting that quote entry level yeah. uh, cyber job. It's somebody coming out of college if they can get hands-on experience or lab experience or or, or whatnot and, you know you can talk some of those students are pretty impressive uh and you can talk to them now i mean you talk about 20 year old who's capable of of, of serving right now in a sock it, it, it probably was something 10 years ago that really wasn't something we're talking about and now it's realistic yeah. depending on how some of these training programs are going yeah i, I
1: would say even some of them i mean kids that are straight out of high school have some of those skills. I mean, there's, you know, decent high school programs that are giving them uh, some of the skills. Um, So I think it's a, you know, in the workforce development side of the house, it's, 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 it's gotta be on both sides of the equation, the training and, you know, the student side learning what they need to do, but also on, I think on the employer side, you know, looking at, New ways of of uh, of bringing student bringing people into the organization and and, and training them for the the critical roles, um, and I, I just shake my head because uh, it's one of these things. It's you know, the the old ways, they ain't, they're not working. We got to yeah. think we got to think differently. Uh, you know, the the yeah. gap <laughs> continues to grow, yeah. um, and the things that we're doing today, uh, they're they're not doing it. So we we, gotta,
0: d- we talk about the SLT. Community like the state, local, tribal, mm-hmm. uh, and and you think about the particular gap that hits municipal governments, pl, pl, you know, sheriff's yeah. officers, where you're thinking about a or, already you know they need they they have sensitive data they have critical systems, and they don't have a big budget to pay a hundred grand to an entry level cybersecurity analyst. They just don't have it, but they need that service. So how are they going to get it? Do they piggyback on other organizations? Do they yeah. do, treat those roles as exempt? Is your cybersecurity analyst the highest paid person in the police department? I mean, it, it, it is sort of out of whack for what's, for what's needed. Um, and I don't – you know, I think that's one where centralized resources is one opportunity, uh, cl- yeah. cloud-based opportunities, contracts for, for third-party providers. You know, they're all workarounds. I don't know. I mean, do you think in 20 years – you know, assuming we're all still we're all still here in 20 years, <laughs> if, if Armageddon hasn't, if if the cyber apocalypse hasn't happened, and we're still sort of roughly where we are now, in 20 years, it, is that just going to revert to the mean? I mean, is that just going to become what we right? It, IT support maybe 50 years ago, in the early days of computing, maybe 40 years ago, IT support was a highly specialized thing, and now IT mm-hmm. support is a little bit more entry level to some degree. Are we going to normalize? I hope so. I mean, I think it would be pretty cool if. I don't want any of my cybersecurity uh, pals to lose that special cachet they have, but we almost need to make it as normal as being an accountant.
1: I think. I, I think yes. I, I think it's going to get there, um, but I, I. Meaning for the. Uh, the basics type stuff. The, you know the normal the the, the level one. Type things. I I think that's going to happen, um, because as cybersecurity and cyber issues have have become more to the fore, you're getting more secure platforms. It's being more planned, so the 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 issues of even you know months ago are being addressed ahead of time from design. So I think you're going to see the systems are going to become more secure. Um, People are going to be are are becoming more aware of 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 cybersecurity just just generally. Yeah. I mean, I was on a call this morning um, and these were not cyber people, but they were talking about how their organization doesn't let them click on links and all those things. so they and they and they knew yeah. why. Um, which which, you know, let's go even a year ago that would nobody would have cared about that. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen. So I think you're going to start to see that.
0: I mean, you think about it, are we going to be able to I mean, for every 100 soldiers now they're serving the armed forces, maybe, I don't know what, half of a soldier is dedicated to cyber warfare. And if that becomes five out of a hundred soldiers being dedicated to cyber warfare, that's a lot of people who have that training. Yes. And the question is, can you pick them up when they come out? Are we going to be, you know, can we rely on, essentially can the civilian workforce rely on soldiers who are trained for cyber warfare, defensive and offensive, uh, an incident response, Every, you know, the, the gamut of the experience for yep. cybersecurity, uh, that, I, mean, that, that's, I think we should at least be trying to, to capture that and yeah. making sure that the veterans understand there's a path to civilian service, and often yeah. a very lucrative path.
1: Well, no, that's exactly right. And then going out into the future, yeah, you, we're going to have to uh, figure out how to, I think you're going to start to see a blending of the uh, civilian, military you know, workforce into the future. Uh, you're going to also start to see a different, a different way in which uh, the federal government, whether it's federal law enforcement, the intelligence community, yeah. and even the military interacts with the civilian sector uh, in, in cyberspace. Because right now, um, in its current state, if you're a private sector company uh, and the, a nation-state actor comes after you, Uh, It's kind of it takes a long time before I mean, you you know, you talk we talk about, uh, you know, hacking back. Well, right now, the only organization that's going to hack back against, you know, this Russia is is the military.
0: And maybe, wink, wink, maybe some sophisticated banks are doing it. I don't know. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if they're doing that, they, they run they run some risk doing that. I think the takeaway for from this some of this is is that there is an obligation or or employ, of all the folks who are uh, participating in the workforce here the the larger employers could probably do a little more yeah. to to train uh, talented folks in the pipeline instead of waiting for the perfect person but if yeah. you're if you are someone who is either you know considering switching to this field or is already in training you know the best day to have started in a cybersecurity career of all time is today. I mean, yeah, is. right now. There's not a exactly. lot of jobs where you can do a little good for your fellow citizens uh, and for, you know, uh, American interests, plus make a pretty yeah. good living, plus always be employable. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not a bad combination of things.
1: No, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a win-win. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, speaking of win-win, when we get back, we're going to talk with our guest, uh, Asim. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return to talk to him, we're going to talk to him about his life in in cybersecurity, so stick around. Have an idea for a guest or topic? Send an email to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. All right, welcome back. Our guest is Asim Fariduddin with 20 years in the information security field. His experience includes building and executing audit programs, managing regulatory compliance, privacy laws, SOC reports, and application and network security reviews. Asim, welcome to No
2: Password Required. It's great to have you here, sir. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I look forward to our discussion.
0: Asim, You know, something that, that for someone who's in your position, we always like to hear the story for, for how you got where you are. So can you just break down for us a little bit about your career path that led you to your current role?
2: Yeah, sure. So I know everyone. everyone's based in Florida, so I hope we have some uh, other f- fellow Floridians listening. I started off at <clears throat> University of Florida. I did the uh, accounting program, the uh, the Fisher School of Accounting. Uh, graduated many years ago, as you can tell by the number of years of experience I have. Uh, and in, in those days, uh, as is now, there's a uh, combined program you can do called the, the MAC program, where you get your undergrad and um, graduate degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a few different tracks you could do. Uh, and, and the track that I chose was the systems track. Uh, and I, I guess I was forward thinking because there was only about five of us that did that. The other two <laughs> tracks were audit and tax, which are pretty <laughs> traditional, right? And everyone's like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? You're not gonna have a, a job, you know, what, what are you guys doing? So the, the program basically mixed, um, you know, I, I guess, MIS or DIS with accounting. Mm-hmm. And I guess the joke's on them because, you know, we were, we were forward thinking back then and, and were able to kind of, you know, f- foresee the future. And, and obviously there's, there's a very strong need for, um, you know, security professionals. So, um, you know, kind of along those journeys, I started off with a big four firm doing financial audit uh, and quickly uh, transitioned to doing an IT audit role, Um, you know, auditing financial systems, uh, the security of financial systems. uh, And then, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley hit, which really uh, increased the need for, you know, IT, um, I'll say IT audit or IT uh, control specialists. And then fast forward a few more years and, you know, security breaches started happening. Um, So I I left the big four after about, um, you know, four or five years, uh, and I joined, uh, you know, my current organization, helping them with SOX compliance and, you know, kind of like I mentioned, the um, landscape changed and, you know, there was more focus on security and and privacy. So, you know, kind of moved up the ranks within my organization, and and now I lead a team, and we focus on doing um, IT security audits uh, across uh, the organization
0: was there at the time that you were at the big four firm did you achieve your platinum status on any airlines
2: I did not okay. so it's funny you say that i probably achieved platinum status on you know for avis rentals because unfortunately <laughs> i you know being in atlanta we service the southeast <laughs> so i i drove to you know south georgia all over alabama uh, so so no I don't def- I I think I definitely got my uh, my hotel points <laughs> and my uh and my my rental car points so so uh, you know it's those those early years that that have, have set me um with all the frequent flyer and, and, and points and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's funny because I have, literally haven't really traveled in the last two years, and I had to travel recently. I literally forgot how to travel. I'm like, oh, you know, what do I do? I have to take my toothpaste out of my bag? You know, like those those people like, oh, what do you mean my keys will, you know, set the metal detector off? So I, I've turned into one of those people. But it's, <laughs> it, 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 you learn all of that quickly, and then you lose it quickly. But, yeah, I was, I was a road warrior, and I definitely – Ate a lot of Subway sandwiches in in southern Alabama because, you know, you don't – sometimes you just don't want to test out the local cuisine. (laughs) So that's interesting. Um,
1: Subway sandwiches in uh, Alabama, Uh, you know, that – I think not to offend any of our folks that uh, live in Alabama – uh, but that may be fine cuisine in that it, part of the the, the, the world.
2: Well, I, if I can go off on a tangent, I um, which I'm sure this I've listened to the podcast, so I'm sure there'll be many <laughs> tangents. But but I, so funny story. I was in a hospital. Um, uh, was, I wasn't in the hospital with a client. Saying, that, yeah, yeah, it was they, that result of the subway no 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 no. My uh, my okay. client was a hospital, a, a medium sized hospital somewhere in Alabama, and you know I, I love barbecue. I like southern food. And, I, you know, sometimes I like to, to, to see what the locals, um, you know, like to eat. And um, so I asked our client contact there. I think he was the CFO or the controller of that hospital. And I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something local. I really want to try something unique, um, you know, that you guys eat uh, often. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've got a great, great recommendation. I was like, okay. So I grabbed my little auditor, you know, notebook. And I said, well, you know, give me the address and directions because this was – you know, prior to smartphones, we had to print out stuff on MapQuest and things like that. So he's telling me the address. I'm like, uh-huh. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, it's great. You know, you'll love it. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, you need to tell me the name. And I said, well, what's the name of it? And he said, oh, it's called Applebee's. And I was oh. like, oh, you've got to be getting me. So, so he to say I didn't go there. And I said, you know, I'm going to have my, my Subway sandwich. So um, Subway is, is the same no matter, you know, no matter where you go, right? So you know what you're going to get for better or for worse. Now, it's funny you mentioned
1: that. That seems very uh, – Subway is the same. That seems uh, uh, very apropos in the world of audit and compliance yeah. in that you're hoping that the standards are the same and evaluated across the Co-
2: – Correct. Yeah, I guess they all have the same the same governance model. So you can get salty meat and it's going to be the same quality salty meat and relatively the same price wherever you go. And, you know, it's you know it's not going to make you sick.
0: We're big fans of Budweiser here on the show. And, and that, that's we what we always say about it is – Whatever you think about it, it's really, really hard to get it the same that many times. Over. Right, right. Oh, it, it's really something that they're able to achieve that kind of control over the product.
2: I guess all these companies must have, you know, like Six Sigma experts to get it all, you know, the, this, it's the same experience. It's like, you know, no matter what Walmart you walk into, you're going to, you know, the toothpaste is going to be an aisle 7 and, you're, you know, you're going to get it, so...
0: Is your team now um, a team that, that that does the internal work? Um, is it also folks who came out of an accounting background, or do you do you hire from more diverse backgrounds depending on the need?
2: Yeah. So so yeah. So so you know you mentioned diversity, which is something that I am um, you know very keen on, and, and you know obviously there's there's many facets of diversity, so i'd say gosh maybe eight nine years ago you know i was hiring people that i guess metaphorically looked like me right We, mm-hmm. I, you know i was like i was in the big four i had a certain degree so i hired people that you know had a few years of experience as um you know senior auditors in the big four so i brought them in and you know you know, everybody came in at the same level and they all wanted to be promoted. And obviously you can't have, you know, 10 managers at all at the same time. So, you know, my kind of my, my right hand, uh, my, my deputy, um, you know, he again had the same, same background as myself. And we, we, you know, in the back of our minds, I'm like, well, let's, let's start hiring from campus. And oh, no, you know, we have to train these people. They don't know anything. And then after a while, when people started leaving, um, because, you know, not everyone can be a manager, we took a step back and said, "Hey, this this is not working." So we we started hiring um, from campus, and we could, you know, kind of create that big four model of uh, career progression, right? So we have a few different levels that folks can come into off campus and progress into, and um, you know, uh, move up the ranks. So we, you know, we, we, we hire folks that have different bank backgrounds, you know, uh, computer science degrees, MIS. Um, accounting degrees and, and we've we've hired people that have had you know experience say maybe as a programmer or as a DBA or worked in QA and then went back and maybe got a master's in cybersecurity or a master's in IT audit and we've hired them. So it's we've been we've been very lucky. Uh, in that aspect, um, we, um, you know, I definitely would like to get some Florida grads here. But we, you know, our office is in Atlanta and I've recruited a lot of folks from yeah. Georgia State University uh, where actually I, I used to teach part time as well. Um, so it, it's, it's worked out very well. And, you know, we have a very cohesive team and, and people from you know, all, all different backgrounds, I actually hired somebody that used to be an Uber driver. And I think in the 60 minute interview, we spent, you know, 57 minutes talking about Uber. <laughs> and I think my, 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 uh, my boss at the time, I think may, may, maybe slipped in a question about getting discount codes. So but, uh, but no, it, was, it was definitely interesting to, to, to hear different, different folks' experience. I mean, you know, talk about being in a difficult situation, right? I think an Uber driver yeah. probably has a plethora of that, you know, tell me, me about a difficult time, uh, I'm sure they 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 probably have more difficult times than easy times. So so, but yeah,
0: yeah. Variable compensation is good. Too. I mean, it's somebody who's worked in a way where they're relying at, at least in part on tips too, mm-hmm. tells you something often about about how they might perform in an environment with you know high demands.
2: No, definitely. And yeah. and and I always tell you know I deal a lot with college students, uh, and you know from a mentorship and coaching and just my affiliations with various universities and you know I always tell students I said don't discount any experience that you've had you know people say oh you know I was only a you know a cashier at a store I only did this I only did that and I said okay well yeah maybe you weren't you know running vulnerability scans but you know take a step back and you know those types of positions might not have given you the technical skills but they may have given you very real world uh, life skills as well as you know communication skills and, and other soft skills uh, you know my my first job and you know in high school if you guys if floridians out there remember Eckerd drugs i mean yeah. that was my first job i you know i was a cashier i stocked the shelves and you know it was i i, I want to say it was the it, it was the most difficult job i had because it was physically demanding but you know i learned a lot about customer service and you know being able to deal with with um, customers in difficult situations and, you know, having a certain level of, you know, autonomy and decision-making, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, those are the sorts of things. If there's any students listening that I would say, take a step back, look at your resume and, and see, you know, what are the skills um, that you've learned in that job that, that may translate to, 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 life skills and that could translate into the, you know, the corporate or to the, the technical world. So when
1: you mentioned some of those non-technical skills, what are some of the ones that you look for that, that you think if you had to prioritize to cultivate um, or to highlight? Break that down, you know, to like the next level. You
2: know, yeah. So yeah. specifically, if I, I, I look at soft skills, I'll drill down a little bit to communication, and I'll drill down further more. So there's obviously written communication, and then mm. there's you know spoken communication or presentation skills, right? So I'll, I'll talk about the written piece uh, first so as auditors you know our, our work product is usually our own internal work papers as well as some sort of report that goes to our stakeholders right most likely our management our internal management so i think one having the ability to, to write uh, in general is, is, is um, you know, a, a well-needed skill uh, you know, I think we live in a, an era where we're, you know, aming, we're texting, you know, we're writing comments on Facebook or whatever, we're writing in like, you know, little blurbs, so to speak, maybe email is the most formal communication. And I think, <laughs> as you get out of school, the practice you have in kind of that formal writing you know, just uh, declines exponentially, right? Just because we're not doing it as much. So, you know, one of the things we a- we ask for is writing samples. So, you know, most most folks that are in you know, a, a college or university have written, um, you know, papers on various topics. And, and you know, we don't ask for something that is specific to, you know, technology. So we've read all kinds of stuff. I've <laughs> read you know, papers on video games, on, you know, all, all kinds of... Actually, I've learned learned a few things. Uh, somebody wrote something about their favorite uh, football player, you know, those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, we're looking more for the, the writing style rather than the content. Uh, and, I, and I think it's important to know your audience right so and i tell my staff you know if you're writing something that you're you know giving to me versus something that you're giving to the ceo or the cfo it's, it's going to be very different right they, they don't want you know 10 pages 15 pages of detail whereas you know i might want that um because I, you know i may get questions from folks above me on hey you know wh- what's the issue what's going on uh that's the summarization
0: sim- technique. Summars- variable summarization is exactly, very hard. exactly, it's very exactly.
2: Hard. Picking the relevant facts, right? So, you know, as a C level, if you, if you look at what they would be concerned about, you know, from an audit, it would be okay, well, what's wrong? You know, what's my exposure? How do I fix it? And, you know, what's the cost, right? So, those are kind of some probably the overall factors that folks would be considered about at a, at a higher level. So, I think it's getting. Um, you know folks just starting out to, to realize um, you know picking out the details that might be relevant and it's it's not it's not a science right it's it's, it's definitely an art so I think it takes uh, you know some 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 coaching for sure to to get there and and uh, there's a actually quite a few of the security organizations actually have um, you know Kind of technical writing um, seminars that they do uh, or, or audit writing seminars that they do. So, you know, folks can can get those um, type of skills. Because, you know, in, in, you know, what is it, in elementary and middle and, and, and high school, you're doing creative writing, right? So hopefully yeah. when you're writing audit reports, you're not doing creative writing, right? You're doing technical factual writing.
0: What do you think about, you know, we, as, as a bunch of old crotchety folks here um, at Cyber Florida, it, it, we, we bemoan the sort of uh, the good old days when folks spoke on the phone all the time. But auditors, you still have to interview folks either in person or on the phone. Do you try to assess oral communication skills or phone skills, and, and how do you do that?
2: Yeah, so that, that was actually a perfect segue because that, that's the second piece of the communication skills, right? It's, it's really the spoken or the presentation skills. So yeah, we we definitely look at that. I mean, I I think that's, um, you know, maybe even more important than the written skills, right? Because, you know, if you don't have those, you know, the, the, the actual spoken communication skills, you're not going to get to a point to write anything (laughs) down. Right. So, so yeah, no, it's very important. You know, when, when I, when I'm interviewing somebody, I I think, you know, is this somebody that I would feel comfortable, you know, putting in front of my CTO after some, some, some point. Right. And, 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 and I do do that, right. Because my, you know the folks on my team are the ones that you know are the ones you know kind of in the field doing the work um and you know we regularly meet on various topics with our ctos and CISOs so i said you know what's the point of me presenting on this you know i'll be in the room but i'll have the person that actually did the work present and and you know i have the faith and confidence in them and um you know that they one know the material and that they you know, again, the level of detail um, that, that um, you know, w- w- would be uh, relevant to, to the person asking. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, in, in terms of how we assess it, you know, we have, you know, behavioral type questions. Uh, you know, we ask questions about, you know, technology and, and um, you know, audit questions as well. And, and I think with some of them, uh, especially more of the behavioral ones, it's, it's not necessarily uh, – the, the, the content of the answer that's as important as more of you know how they answer it and and you know not that we give any gotcha questions but it's you know can you think on your feet um, because those are the types of yeah. things that are going to happen in the real world right you, you somebody's going to ask you you know a, a, a just you know a barrage of questions and you know you're going to need to to be able to think on your feet and um, you know and yeah. you know I, I think it's also important to not uh dance around a question if you don't know the answer right? i think it's better to be transparent and say you know what I, I don't know that let me get back to you because yeah. there's it, and that's something that i've learned in my career i think the the more experience you have and the longer you've been somewhere it's actually seems to be more acceptable to say i don't know right when you first start off in your career like well people probably actually don't think i know anything because i'm just starting out <laughs> so you kind of try to dance around that and um and you you know you, you you end up maybe slipping up and maybe somebody might call you a bluff so um, so yeah it's it's I, I you know it's 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 funny because you know we, we see people do that and and i just tell them hey if you don't know it's it's okay and then they they breathe a sigh of relief
0: <laughs> we always tell i'm a lawyer and we tell the younger lawyers and they're starting out if you know if i ever use an acronym that you don't know stop me because i'll assume you know, if, if we keep talking about it, that you know what I mean, and and that's always like an illuminating thing. And I can't say how many times folks, you know, are otherwise going to white knuckle it when you start right. throwing acronyms <laughs> out. I think sometimes people just throw out acronyms enough that, just to test folks. And there's yeah, enough or just make oh, up yeah. words. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah. That's uh, that's a, a key thing. If, in a, as a matter of fact, um, if you if you can if you that's an art form in itself. Yeah. If you can work either 1980s. Movie quotes oh, yeah. into written documents <laughs> yeah. or in normal formal presentation, and nobody gets it. That's that's a, that's a level yeah, of,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and, and I think people are people are nervous. Like, oh gosh, you know, I should know this. Yeah. I'm not even to ask because I don't oh, look yeah. like a fool. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. The uh, you know, GLG twenty. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Those, yeah exactly. It's the, flux.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll it's the flux capacitor. I think. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll need two of them. Yeah. What is it from I Seinfeld?
0: I, the, the Johnson rod. Your Johnson, ride <laughs> yeah, I got go. a
1: Johnson. Ride. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's in his car, I
0: think.
2: That's funny. What
0: what is it? Um, so, I see you've got. You know, I think you have two young children. You, has yep. has having has having children changed your management style at all? Anything different that you do now that you, that, that you used to not do?
2: So well, so it's interesting. So one was was born well into COVID, and one was uh, about. I guess. Nine months or so um, uh, when, yeah, so when, when you COVID real started. Young kids. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah.
1: a new, you're a new dad. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I have a two and a half year old and <laughs> and uh, and an eight month old. So you know, I, I think um, you know, it's 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 definitely been a, a blessing, I guess, in, in a sense of you know, the, the the I've taken advantage of you know, working from home, obviously, and not having to deal with a commute and and things like that, and it gives you more time to, 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 you know, kind of spend with the kids and kind of you know, watch them grow up literally, you know, while they may be screaming in the background on a uh, on a conference (laughs) call. Uh, But but no, I mean, I I think it's given me, um, you know, like I said, I've always uh, been um, a strong advocate of of diversity and inclusion. And obviously, people have, you know, all kinds of different things going on in their lives. And I I think it's given me a greater appreciation uh, for folks that have have children and, um, you know, prior to covid and prior to kids if i had to travel i'd be like okay yep i'll jump on a plane tomorrow <laughs> and you know now I, I definitely can appreciate that you know there's a lot more planning and juggling that has to happen you know when you do have to worry about you know childcare or you know disrupting your spouse's schedule while you're gone and things like that. So I think it's it's definitely given me a, a deeper appreciation of, you know, those, those sorts of things or, you know, folks that have to, you know, head out to, you know, go to the soccer game or pick up their kids or, or, or whatever. I, I guess I never really... Thought about it in depth because uh, once you once you're once you're literally in it in the thick, there's you know all kinds of things that you would have never realized that you have to juggle around, um, yeah. you know, a, a work schedule and, and just a, a schedule of life in general. So. We would
0: say it's like that five to seven p.m. hour where it's just like if you if you could just not bother people in that two-hour window, we can be uh, so yeah. much more efficient on either end of it as opposed to sure. it's five fifty and someone's yeah. texting something in the line at pickup. And it's like, no, 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 that's a mistake. That's when you're going to make an error. Wait till 7 and we'll figure it out. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: We we understand that there may be a story about your wife's uncle's skis.
2: So, yeah, so talking about security and controls and and consumer uh, uh, PII, uh, you know, personally identifiable information. So... Uh, I'm really w-
1: interested to hear where this goes. Yeah,
2: by. yeah, sure. So, so my my wife has a has a uncle who's um, you know you know that's probably in his in his 80s, um, who lived in the U.S. for you know probably 50 years and, and moved back to India a few years ago. And I think one—he lived all over the U.S. And I think wherever he lived, you know, one of his siblings ended up being there, and then he kind of moved on to some other place, and then another sibling moved. So he was in Utah for a while, um, where his younger brother lived. And you know, of course, if you're in Utah near Salt Lake City, you're you're going to go skiing, right? Yeah. So, so you know, if you're if you're going skiing that much, you're going to own your own ski. So. He has a set of, and I found out, they're wooden skis because they're, they're, they're that old. Um, and, you know, he said, well, if I'm going to leave skis, so he moved, ended up leaving the Salt Lake City area and he left his skis there. And he said, well, if I'm going to leave my skis at your house, I, I need to identify them as myself, right? <laughs> Most people may, you know, put a sticker on it or, you know, maybe an address label. So he put his first and last name, I think his, whatever his new address <laughs> was at the time, and his social security oh. number and of birth. <laughs> So on the so, skis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really dedicated to making sure that those yeah, skis yeah, are, exactly. are hitched to him. Exactly. Yeah. So or, yeah. or yeah. he's
1: hitched to whoever has the skis. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> that is so. Awesome. His
2: yeah. So his sister-in-law, who still lives in in that area in the house, and she's like, "What am I supposed to do with these?" She's like, "I can't get rid of them because they, you know, you can't just you know drop them off at the goodwill or put them on marketplace or or whatever." So. <laughs> You know, now that I know that they're wood, I said, you know, maybe next time we, we go over there, we'll just burn them in the fireplace <laughs> or something. But, you know, but then I don't know if they're that old. Maybe they were made with like lead-based paint or something. Asbestos-based. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Asbestos binding. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you can't even probably spray paint them or anything. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so, yeah. So, well, yeah. In yeah. the interest of uh, providing solutions... At, here at the at the podcast,
1: you know what the old wooden skis make lovely uh, wall
2: art. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Well, then, but then you still have to hide the SSN because you know you could have somebody come over that's uh, you know maybe a, a third party service provider. You, you and, could have a third party, service and you don't know service. if they've been credentialed. And, that's you true. Know, you don't know. You know. Right. It's, that's uh, true. That's awesome. <laughs> so so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think if you know, we'll hopefully go out and visit her at some point. And I, I definitely want. I've never seen the skis. I've heard of them. So. I would think maybe a over, legendary. Yeah, Steve. maybe over 50 years they would have just disintegrated.
0: That's like the the Navy used to use Social Security number. They just label everything with it. I, there was yep. an old, yep. uh, my grandfather was in the Navy. And there was an old chest that had ensign and it was you know John Clabby, my name ensign John Clabby with the SSN on it. and yeah. you're just like this was what you know. I guess back then it was there was no internet. There was no way to to take a mor- nah. take a mortgage out based on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the the, the fraudsters get uh, you know they adapt with technology, right? So, um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 just interesting. You know, obviously, you know, having the mindset of protecting data that you know, I mean, you know, what was fi- fine forty years ago? I mean, heck, maybe even twenty years ago, people were doing that. But you know, now I, I think most people would would probably know know <laughs> not to do that.
0: One other thing we want to ask about is just, I have to ask this as, as a guy from New Jersey, uh, my understanding is that you, in your youth, had a very sweet sound system, an aftermarket sound system oh, yes. that you installed yourself. What do you think it is? What, let me ask it in a, in a slanted way. What is, what is wrong with today's youth that they're not doing this as much anymore?
2: That is so funny right. you say that because oh man that that's actually an amazing question so so uh, and aside I was actually I I I I was born in New Jersey but pretty much grew up in Florida and and that is my exact um sentiment as well you know my my parents still live in south florida and you know i I would like when i would go home they live kind of on on the corner of a a major um area in their subdivision and you'd always hear the bass or you hear the loud exhaust and over the years you just stop hearing that and you you literally don't hear you know loud you hear you know car exhaust a little bit but you do not hear the stereo systems anymore and it's. Yes. i'm deeply saddened by it i'm like you know I, I, I you know i wanted to pull the uh the annual report for like these <laughs> car stereo companies and they probably are talking about you know market forces where their sales are declining oh, because the youth are not you know partaking in, in in this sort of activity anymore no it's it's you know yeah all of our friends we'd you know you'd open the trunk and you'd have some big box in there and you know, all you know, all throughout college, and yeah. uh, you know, f- f- finally when I, you know, b- bought my own car with my own money in my twenties, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna get the best stock stereo, and then and then we'll we'll leave it at that. I'm like, I think I'm a little <laughs> too old. I, I, you know, actually, my first job I I still had my civic from college and you know we were driving. you know sometimes I take my car to you know Alabama or some of these places it was a little bit closer and I think I was with like the senior manager and you know we opened the trunk because he needed to put his luggage in there. He's like, Oh what is that? He's like he's like is that, that is refrigerator? He's like, Did you find a client? And I was like, Oh I was like, Oh that's a speaker and then you know I kinda explained to him and then he's like oh let me hear it and I'm like okay sure. That is awesome. Uh yeah oh, rolling so, around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and, you know, especially uh, you know, with like a Civic, it would just it would it would rattle everything, and then the, you know the screws would come loose and and all of that. But it's fun, you know. I, I definitely, I, I think, uh, you know, when when, when I become uh, you know s- uh, older and 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 senile, I think I'll you know find an old car and and, and you know put in a stereo system awesome. if you can still find it. Well, you know, the the thing is, is now back in the day it was CD players and all that, so now everything's you know. Bluetooth and they've got the screens and and all of that sort of thing. So no, I definitely love to do that. Get get an older car and kind of you know maybe nineties well, nineties. <laughs> I style say it. why wait? Yeah, I say yeah. why wait? Yeah. I mean you know that's you, a
1: good point. You know, th- because here's the here's the other thing. You, you could be a pioneer in this space. Yeah, yeah. Now that you're. Oh, up, I saw what you, you did, did a there. Yeah, pioneer, pioneer. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, you like yeah. that yeah. exactly. Uh, hey, well played. Uh, the um, you know, be, being a new family member, man, get yourself a minivan. Just think about all the space in the back of that minivan. The sound system yeah. you could install in that.
2: That is an yeah. idea. I, d- I did see yeah. a lowered minivan the other day with rims on it. Um and I don't think like, yeah, it didn't look bad. It was all, you know, tinted windows and blacked yeah. out taillights. I was like, this actually doesn't look bad.
1: <laughs> and you're And you're rolling it and you're rolling around. Yeah listening to the wiggles yeah with the car know, seats yeah with the
2: car yeah, seats yeah, you know yeah. it's just listening to the uh, mickey, you know mickey mouse clubhouse <laughs> children Club? children's yeah.
0: music is a choice and you get you get to make it you don't have yeah. to yeah you don't yeah. You, you don't <laughs> yeah, have to be the I, yeah
2: yeah i find myself singing the elmo song and i'm like oh man i'm not yeah, my uh, yeah, my son's at the age now where uh, you know he's uh, starting to repeat things. So on Spotify, I'm gonna have to slowly switch over to the non-explicit versions of songs. So
0: <laughs> we listen to a lot of Perry Grip in our house, uh, G R I P P, which is if there's any uh, parents of more like. Late elementary school, middle school kids, okay. it's, a, it's, it's worth checking out. That's going to be my okay. thats my music recommendation.
2: Well, well Jack, I was going to say test. I didn't understand that acronym, so I'll have to ask what it is <laughs> or, or that terminology. <laughs> so I was just going to agree with it, but I said, well, let, let, you know, let's go back to our prior example. I
0: love it. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll have Ernie's Lifestyle Polygraph. So stay with us, folks. You are listening to the No Password Required Podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. Okay,
1: welcome back. Asim, are you ready? I am ready. Yes, the lifestyle polygraph. Again, the lifestyle polygraph is a technique utilized by the federal government to assess people's suitability for clearances in the national security realm. However, here on No Password Required, we use it to dive a little bit deeper into the inner workings of your mind so without further ado here we go it's a series of five questions and the first one this is again ver- these, these tend to be very intrusive they oftentimes make people uncomfortable number one if you were uh, obligated to star in a reality tv show what type of show would it be
2: that's an interesting question, Arnie. I-, I won't tell you the type of show. I will tell you actually the specific show because it exists. I think it would it would have to be, without a doubt, Pimp My Ride. There you go. Yes, and, absolutely. And, Perfect. And, and I think I would like to be Exhibit's character because, you know, obviously the, the, the contestants, if you will, switch out every week. So... <laughs> So maybe actually no, I think I'd I, maybe I'd go on one week as a contestant and see if I could find my old Civic and then have them you know pimp that ride and then um, you know have uh, have exhibits uh, <laughs> character the 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 rest of it I don't even know if the the show still comes on but um, I, I remember I was watching it actually years ago and they actually had Arnold Schwarzenegger on there when he uh, was governor of California so it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs>
1: Well, if it's still around, I mean, you got a shot now, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I'll I'll have to I'll have to do that. Uh, yeah. to
0: that was that a up. great it was just a great self-contained show. It, would just, it was just beginning and resolution done. Right? Like so be, now it would be perfect for I don't know if you can get it on any streaming platforms, but talk about like a bingeable kind yeah. of mindless kind of nice escape yeah. program. I would love to watch yeah. that show. Man. I
2: have to I have to look into it. Yeah, I I was reading, I guess I don't know if it's still on the air, but I think years later there were there was all these um, you know <laughs> controversy around the show because they said oh people's cars it broke down the next week they never actually rebuilt <laughs> the engine or you know people you know messed up the cars even more and submitted them and things like that so
0: <laughs> I think I did see there was like the oral history of Pit My Ride and they would yeah yeah, yeah. and I think they found exhibit and they interviewed him for that oh yeah who was he was just fantastic I hope no, I haven't was seen him in a while. I, I'm hoping he's out there hosting something.
2: Yeah, All right, well, maybe he's uh, getting a degree in cybersecurity. we're lucky,
0: right. <laughs> that's right. We need, you we know need what? them. We we need. Pimp my router.
2: Do. Pimp my firewall, maybe. Now
0: that's an idea. I think we could get we could get behind. Yeah. Pimp my router.
2: Pimp my router. Ugh.
1: You know, Jack, your dad jokes are coming up. No, that up was here. a Seams yeah, yeah. joke. It's that was for, mine, yeah. Oh, was a Oh yeah, F- Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I've been telling well, dad jokes yeah, since I, I was 15. I you got it, man. <laughs> yeah. You got that going. Yeah, it's yeah, well yeah
2: no, definitely, definitely. Well played. Yeah.
1: All right, number two. Number two. Question number two. Again, here we are. This can be a little, little
2: uh, upsetting.
1: What is the greatest toy from the 1980s?
2: I would have to say Transformers, for sure. Transformers, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Transformers. I mean, you know, one is interactive and, you know, two, they were basically, most of them were cars or some sort of, you know, vehicle, and then you had the cartoon to go along with it. And, you know, now you've got the Transformers legacy, so you you got multi-generational, you know, appeal.
1: I got a question about the Transformers. You know, so this is always kind of something that bothered me. And, uh, you know, as a Transformer aficionado, you, make, you know, Megatron turns into a pistol. <laughs> I mean, everybody, Optimus Prime turns into, a, into an 18-wheeler. Yeah. I, I get that. That's a big, yeah. and even if he stands up, this guy turns into, a the, the, the head bad guy turns into a handgun. I, I mean, that, that, that fits in your hand. Yeah. You know? And so, and so, how, how
2: why doesn't the eighteen wheeler just run him over? I, I guess it's like rock paper scissors or something. I don't know. Is it? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the strange thing is, is you know, it's not like he's mobile on his own. I mean, I guess he kind of flew through the air or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You turn into
1: the gun, you just kind of flop over. That yeah, just like yeah. Ran on the paper, yeah, it
2: do- doesn't make any sense. I mean, an eighteen wheeler obviously you can just barrel through anything. <laughs> um, and then the, that toy was really cool because you had the cab and then you had the trailer, so it was almost like two toys in one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do
1: you think there was a time? Uh, on a side note, do you think there was a time when the uh, the Transformers toys, I'll call it, uh, jumped the shark? Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll hold my opinion, but you know, when they, when they went from okay, yeah, that's an like okay, they're cars, they're jets, uh, you know, handgun maybe, but now they're turning into oh look, it's a transformer that turns into a building.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, 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 that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. And then what do you do if it's South Florida and there's a hurricane coming through? <laughs> maybe yeah, because I
1: was thinking about, remember the ones that turned into the dinosaurs?
2: Oh, yeah, Dinobots. Uh, yeah. 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 Why, would you ter- why would you
1: go from being a person to a, a dinosaur and back and forth? There was a backstory yeah.
0: where they were like yeah. from the past or something. Yeah. They tried to, I don't know, the, the term I think is retcon. They tried to write around that. I think, right? Didn't they try to say that they were here like millions of years ago and then were dormant and at the time when they set what they transformed into, it was only dinosaurs and not Mack trucks. Ah. I could be, I could be, that could be something I'm making up, but it sounds right.
2: And I, and I think too, they're just so big and ferocious that they don't even, it's, it's almost like retro power, right? They don't need, you know guns or firepower. They just had their brute strength and, you know, probably just their roars would make people, you know, big optimists. Well, fly a right Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean, heck, you see a tyrannosaurus rich yeah, roaming mean, through I, the streets. Yeah, I
2: mean, I would jump up in my Civic and, and t- hightail out of yeah, there. Yeah, well,
1: the exactly. And would, you'd have to keep the music down because yeah. they're
2: attracted to vibration. They, they, right they right. are, they are.
1: That's right. Yeah. Zigzag, I think. You
2: have to zigzag.
1: Yeah, what is it yet yeah, you can't outrun them in a straight line?
2: Oh, it's like an alligator, right? You have to yeah, I don't know if that's an that urban effect. legend or if that's oh, actually right. true. I I, okay. I don't want to test it out and get that close to an alligator. but yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, number three. In a group setting,
1: what a sim-based conversation topic... <laughs> makes your wife's eyes roll oh, the most. Man.
2: So, so that yeah that, that 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 that's an easy one so this comes up every every so often especially now that you're able to go out and, and see people a little bit more than we were in the, you know for the last few few months um, you know, people are like, oh, man, you're so funny, you know, have you, know have, you, have you ever done stand-up? And then there's a story behind that, and as soon as they say something to that effect, uh, yeah, my wife's just like, oh, like bracing herself, here it comes. So this was back in 2004, I think it was 2004, 2005, somewhere around that time, in 2005, uh, there was a comedy contest that started in Atlanta, and it was a search for Atlanta's Funniest Accountant which obviously there's humor just in that title. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, so I think it, I think it actually started in, in yeah 2005, I believe, was they just had their, their 15th anniversary. So a, a guy here in Atlanta that owns an accounting and finance recruiting firm Started this, uh, you know, as a way to just you know build awareness around accounting and finance and um, and, and things like that. So we went to one of these conferences here at, at a big convention center. I think it was like the Georgia State CPA show. You know, you go and you get your, you know, continuing education credits. And he had a booth set up there. And of course, my colleagues are oh man, you know, you're pretty funny. Why don't you why don't you go and try out? So you had to audition, and they gave you actually a comedy coach to work with. So. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was at um, an co- actual comedy club here. They had rented it out. Um, and no, it was, it was good. It was fun. Um, they, they actually did it. Um, you know, they, they, they continue to do it. And I think now it's rebranded as the search for the South's funniest accountants they Have people coming from North Carolina and stuff. And they have a venue here that they sell out that holds a thousand people. Oh, wow. um, you know, they, they didn't do it the last couple years with COVID. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, as a former <laughs> as a as a former contestant, you know, I always get a VIP seat on the on, with floor seating. So awesome.
1: all right, number four. Uh, this is a, you know the, I think we well this will be interesting. All right, if you could drive any car for a week, what would it be?
2: Oh man, so yeah, I mean, there's so many cars out there. Um, I you know I I I kind of. I go back and forth on this every every so often. I think actually, what I would actually like to drive, which is the quintessential poster that every kid had in their room in the eighties, is the the Lamborghini Countach. Yes. Oh the, yeah. yeah, and I think they're they're. C- setting to um, unveil a, a new one so I mean literally everybody had that you know po- there was a white a poster of a white one there was a poster of a red one I think <laughs> I had both of them so so I think that would definitely I mean it's just an iconic car from you know and it's got that you know Miami Vice that kind of Opulence of the eighties, you know, go, going with it. So you know, whenever. And I whenever think there was that, a
1: transformer can, character. Oh yeah, yeah, that there was, a, there yeah, was, there yeah. was. I
2: forget the name, but there was, um, and maybe even like I don't know if you remember GoBots, which. Was, yeah, um, GoBots. I, think, I think yes. GoBots had one too. um You know, you've got that, and of course you had the the Magnum Pi Ferrari, but I think I'd go I'd go for the Lamborghini for sure.
1: Well, both fine Italian yeah, uh, pieces yeah. of equipment.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. Many a tra- many a trapper keeper cover was a little Yes. Oh yes. yeah, I think I had the trapper keeper. It, it's it's funny
2: you mentioned trapper keeper because you know for office supplies I use a mechanical pencil. And I have one of those composition books that looks like a cow. Oh. And, you know, we'd be in meetings and, like, some of my colleagues were like, man, you use the most retro office supplies." I'm like, no, I love the, the mechanical pencil because, you know, you can erase it. You don't have to worry about sharpening it. And I told them, I said, I'm going to find an old school trapper keeper one day and bring it in.
0: What a great design, too. No reason it should ever have gone out of style. It no. keeps everything nice and it still allows you to have all the benefits of a binder. So. No,
2: it's 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 perfect.
0: It's one
1: of those engineering marvels yeah. that uh, you know that, that I actually I'm surprised that it's
0: that it's gone. It's, is it still around? Well, I mean, yeah. I, 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 slap bracelets are back, so oh, maybe yeah. it's just a matter, oh, maybe yeah. it's just a matter of timing. <laughs> okay, what, yeah. What about a yeah. hacky
2: sacks? Yeah. Have they
0: made it back? I think. Yeah, they, yeah, they are on the roundabout now. <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah, sure they yeah. are. <laughs> Don't tell me they ever left, please. Don't yeah, tell me. That. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I, I learned don't ever throw anything away or <laughs> give anything away, especially from a fashion perspective, because everything will always come back. Yeah. It, I keep
1: telling myself that. Yeah. Um but I, and I never stop wear, Maybe my problem is I just never stop wearing <laughs> yeah, it.
2: Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, one day
1: this is gonna come back. And you're gonna say, Oh, I knew him then. Yeah,
2: yeah. 30 years. Everything <laughs> will come back. Just give it 20 yeah. or 30 years.
1: That's right. And they'll look back, man man, I assume he was a pioneer Man, he was way out in front of everybody with fashion. (laughs) Okay. Here's number, uh, uh, number five. What's the piece of advice that you are most looking forward to sharing with your kids?
2: Sure. Um, I'd I'd say, you know, live life to the fullest and take advantage of, you know, the opportunities that are in front of you. And, um, you know seek out advice from those that have been in a in in a position before you right you know i think a lot of times you know you, you take things for granted you know we've we've all heard the older person saying oh you know i wish i had done this i wish i had done that and you know 20 years later like, oh man i remember this person told me something so so you know take t- you know take the advice from from elders um you know, a little bit with a grain of salt, but, 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 but also, also heed it to a certain extent and, and, and think about it, um, and, and, you know, see, um, how it can be helpful. You might not realize it now, but you may re- realize it 10, 15 years down the road.
1: Now that's actually pretty decent advice.
0: Yeah. Can we just, there may be, I don't know if we have time for a bonus one.
2: Sure. We do. All
0: right. Can we just ask one bonus one, see, which is what's the most random thing you've ever done?
2: Oh, okay. So I've done, I've done plenty of random things. I've, you know, I've, you know, traveled all over Alabama and travel you know, been to a lot of places, <laughs> lived in a lot of different, different places. So the most, probably one of the most random things I've ever done is, I think I actually was thinking about this the other day. I think it was in 2006, late 2006. I was a seat filler for the BET Hip Hop Music Awards in Atlanta. Uh, If you guys have ever been to Atlanta, we have the Fox Theater on, you know, of course, on Peachtree Street, because everything in Atlanta is on Peachtree Street. Um, But they, they shut down a few blocks of it, had the red carpet. Of course, I didn't get to participate in that, but... Uh, For for those of you who don't know what a seat filler is, basically whenever you watch any of these award shows, they want to make sure the audience is full, right, when they're panning the camera. And there's random people, random, you know, John Q citizens like myself that they recruit for, you know, an unpaid position to just sit in these seats in case, you know, somebody needs to go to the bathroom or somebody gets something to eat or somebody just doesn't show up. So long story short, uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, actually one of my, my very... Uh, close friends who i have known since elementary school we both were living in Atlanta at the time and we both ended up in the second row and sitting right behind Buster Rhymes nice and you know obviously he hasn't <laughs> made any new music in, in quite some time but in 2006 he had some new music and he was winning some awards and so every time he got up I would you know jump on his back practically high-fiving <laughs> him. And, you know my friend was like you need to calm down and this I mean he's a big guy I never obviously never really thought about how big he is but I mean I, like his, I, I mean, just high-fiving him. I mean, his hand is probably the size of my entire head. I mean, he could have, you know, palmed it like a basketball or something. Um, but yeah, there was all kinds of folks there. I mean, Evander Holyfield was there. Snoop Dogg. T.I. was just becoming big uh, at that point. Flavor Flav was there. Um, yeah, some, some. Did he action. have the clock? He did have the clock. Oh, he did have the clock. Have yeah. the clock. Um, and I think they had just come out with... This Dodge Nitro SUV. So he was kind of the spokesperson. So they had one on stage, and you know he had his clock, uh, and um, yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, uh, one of the the girls from the Cosby Show. The I think uh, Rudy, forget her real name. Uh, she she was there. Uh, you know Atlanta obviously has a big big music oh, scene great. in general. Ludacris, you know, was there. He 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 lives here so. Uh, and a big, i'm a big hip hop fan a big 90s hip hop fan uh, so there there was uh you know all things 90s of That's course fantastic. but uh there was all kinds of you know celebrities. so we didn't have to move the entire time i mean literally people to the left and right of us um you know had to get up because you know whoever was sitting in their seats and and i think ti was maybe like two seats down from us um, but yeah I, I i can't remember who buster rhymes was sitting next to uh, not probably not somebody as famous as him, but uh, but yeah, he was going crazy. There was some, I think a, a high school um, uh, like a band or a dance high school dance team, and they came out and did a dance to some new song that had just come out, and I mean, he was really jamming to it. I, and I told him, I said, hey, you know, I've got a system in my car. We can go out and listen to this when the <laughs> done here. If you want to do some dancing in the street, I'm down for that. But uh, but no, they had like they had very specific rules they said you know this was before smartphones where they said no cameras yeah. and you know no patronizing with the with the attendees so i, I don't know if like jumping up and slapping somebody on the back was part of those rules but you know when you're <laughs> when you're in the in, in the thick of it you're like I, I don't care i'm just gonna do it so
0: that's fantastic <laughs> what an adventure <laughs> That's a great Atlanta mid-2000s thing to have. Yeah, a no, time exactly. time a place.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it's funny. And, you know, every now and then I'll, talk, I'll just talk to my friend. I'm like, yeah, you remember that? And, yeah, he was like, man, that was that was pretty random. <laughs>
1: yeah. Remember that time yeah. when we were yeah, <laughs> the Music hanging Awards? Out, yeah, <laughs> hanging out with Buster Rhymes? <laughs> Busta Rhymes?
2: Yeah, oh, you know, hanging out. Oh, I, you know, trash, f- but, yeah. my friends in
1: the I industry. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you what, that brings us to the end of... Uh, this particular segment Sim, thank you for joining us um and thanks for participating in this uh, if our listeners uh, want to connect with you uh, what's a good way they can get a hold of you or find out more about you
2: yeah sure so just connect with me on, on linkedin um you know you can just uh, I'll, I'll 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 phonetically spell my last name <laughs> it's, uh, it's f-a-r-e-e-d-u-d-d-i-n um, and the first name is a s i m so there 's the you know if, if you find another free the the it's probably going to be my my <laughs> wife 's sister or mother, so uh, you can just kind of figure out which one is me so because uh, the, the other ones are female and i 'm not so <laughs> <laughs> well thanks I appreciate the time and you know would love to connect with anybody if you have any questions about security or you know, uh, career advice or, or, you know, navigating the, um, you know, the, the college or, or university uh, curriculums, definitely feel free to reach out to me and would love to help.
1: Well, you know, and that's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on,
2: uh, on today's show. Sure. And, and uh, the pleasure is all on this side of the table. And I've got to you... tell you. Yeah, yeah, gotta yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> was hoping... <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys uh, catch that reference. Uh... Roger. <laughs>
1: Well, that brings us to the end of our program. Thank you for joining us. First and foremost, I have to th- thank my always, uh, always entertaining, energetic, and exciting co-host, Mr. Jack Clabby. I'd also like to say a special thank you to our guest, uh, Asim Faridadin. And if you're ever in the Atlanta area, rolling around, and you hear a minivan blasting out some Busta Rhymes, and that minivan's been tricked out, I'll bet you it's going to be our friend the Sim riding behind that. So that said, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the No Password Required Podcast and send your questions or comments to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. And if you share your info, we'll send you some swag. That's right. We've got organizational swag. We'll send it your way. I'm Ernie Ferraresso. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required Podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Cognizant. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website, cyberflorida.org slash pod.